You may be seated. Please pray with me. God, would you meet us in this place, in this time? We want to know you more. We pray these things in the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Spirit among us. Amen. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. I am someone very uncomfortable with early mornings. As you all know, I struggled to get up for the mornings we got together to serve coffee and breakfast over the past few years to neighbors here on Capitol Hill. It's hard for me. I love sleeping in. I love my sleep. As I do work, sleeping in feels decadent and very lovely. I am a night owl and could happily stay up till midnight every night and wake up at nine taking leisurely mornings to read and get ready. I love it. However, there is a pressure in our faith that tells us we must do exactly as Jesus did in this text. We must each get up early while it is still dark, leave our comfy beds, and go to a solitary place to pray and read our Bibles. Have you all heard this? I know I have. I know that I've heard that I need to take time each morning while it is still dark to read my Bible and to be with God, to journal and to pray. Have any others of you heard this as well? Many of you. And I felt especially a lot of pressure to do this when I was in college. I had a dear friend and roommate who would, every morning before she went to go teach at the local high school, would wake up at 4.30 a.m., make her way to the student lounge, obviously deserted at that hour. She is the only college student who ever does this, I'm convinced. And she would sit there and she would pray. And there is no judgment on her for this practice. It is lovely. I don't personally know how she stayed awake to pray at that hour, but all power to her. She was able to be up early to read, to pray, to take time in meditative practices before she started her long day in the classroom as a student teacher. It was beautiful. It was commendable. And I imagine maybe there are some of you who have this practice as well. Maybe there are some of you who are early risers who get up at 4.30 in the morning and go to pray. And that is lovely. But what about the rest of us? I felt like maybe I wasn't as holy or as good as this roommate somehow. There's no judgment for her, but was there some for me? I couldn't join her in that student lounge at that early hour. I couldn't make it up to pray any time before 8 a.m., honestly. Was I somehow less of a Christian, less disciplined? What about those of us who cannot for the life of us drag ourselves out of bed to catch the bus to school and to work? What about those of us running around our houses each morning with our hair on fire because we couldn't get ourselves up soon enough to make breakfast? Anyone else? <laughs> what about those of us who naturally stay up late, who are creative in the evenings and who love talking with friends as the stars come out? What about those of us who couldn't get a good night's sleep because of the baby crying, because of partying neighbors, because of late work shifts? Are we less Christ-like as we can't get up early while it is still dark? and go to a solitary place and pray. But I think the point of this text is less about the time that Jesus goes to pray and more about 
<coughs> and more about that he does. He goes to be in a solitary place. The Greek says that he goes to be in a desolate place. This is more about going to that desolate place, spending time alone in solitude, spending time in conversation with our creator. This is what the text is about. And if we learn anything from the gospels, we learn that Jesus does things differently in each story. Jesus tells one man to go and sell his possessions and give the money to the poor. He heals some. He tells others to go to their towns to preach the good news. And he tells still others to come and follow him. It's different in each story for each person. We don't read the text as a literal guide often. We don't read the Bible that way when it says that Jesus cast out demons and then assume our family members and neighbors are possessed because they annoy us. We don't do that. We don't go to funerals and take the corpse by the hand and raise them to eternal life, though we do know that God still does raise the dead, though we know that resurrection is real. We don't all sell our possessions, give the proceeds to the poor, and travel as itinerant preachers, sharing about the good news of the kingdom of God, though perhaps some of us might be called to that, and all of us are perhaps called to divesting from capitalism and giving more to the poor. We don't all leave our dead to bury their dead, as the gospel reads in other places. We participate in funerals and take that time to grieve. We don't go into churches and overturn tables when things aren't as they should be there, though certainly we can overturn some tables figuratively and make some noise when things aren't going well, and we should. <coughs> Excuse me. And we don't all wake up early and pray in desolate places. Not all of us. Instead, we read these texts and hear what they mean at their core. We glean from them what God might be teaching us instead of following each exact scene to a T. Some of us pray as we drive to work. Some of us read with a cup of cocoa or coffee in the middle of our messes as family is getting ready for the day as we wash our faces and brush our teeth. Some of us pray at night as the stars come out, and some of us pray as we take a bathroom break in the middle of the day. Some of us do wake up early and take a walk and pray there, but maybe still we see neighbors walking our dogs and calling good morning to us. These walks hardly seem desolate. Our work in reading scripture is not to literally do everything it says, but to know the essence of each text what the author is trying to tell us, what God might be speaking to us through these ancient and beautiful stories, what the purpose of the text was to begin with. And this takes more work and study, but it is good. There is no blueprint, no exact pattern of following Jesus. He tells each person to do something different. There is no pattern except the essence that is Jesus himself. And that essence, that commandment, it's one of love. Is what we do loving? Is how we spend our time loving to God and to ourselves? Is it loving to others? Is it loving to the earth? Is what we do loving? That is the greatest commandment. 
Jesus in our text is just beginning his ministry in Galilee when we read this today. And he's beginning it in Galilee and the surrounding areas. He is healing people left and right and driving out unclean spirits. He is sought after by everyone. Peter and other disciples chase after him or hunt them down as our text hunt him down as our text says today. And he spends time in solitude. But then they come and find him and tell him that everyone is looking for him. And I imagine the most loving thing for Jesus in the middle of all of this, and the most loving thing towards those that he met with and healed, was for him to take some time for himself. Perhaps early morning was easy for him. Maybe he was a morning person. Or maybe it was simply the only time available. And besides being busy, Jesus also knew what was coming for him. The text tells us that he knew that he was going to die. He knew that he was making waves and making powerful people unhappy with how he kept company with people pushed to the edges of things who were considered sinners and not good enough. He also was called those things. He knew he was challenging the status quo and that had consequences. He knew he was going to die. And so Jesus knew that he needed time by himself to pray and be well in the middle of it all. And so he took it. This last week, I got to take a vacation to California. And I stayed with a friend who had to work most mornings. And during those mornings, I took time in the sunshine to read. And I recently read a book during that time that brought this need for alone time and time to rest in focus for me. I am sure many of you have heard about the young woman who was assaulted by Brock Turner, the Stanford swimmer in 2015 and who went through the trial where Brock Turner was convicted of three felonies of assault towards her. This woman went through the trial completely anonymous. She was in the newspapers and even wrote a powerful statement under the name Emily Doe. Maybe many of you have read it. Well now, in 2019, this assault victim has come forward and shared her name with the public. Her name is Chanel Miller. And she wrote an amazing book titled, Know My Name. And I got to read it this last week. It was life-changing. In it, she describes her experience. The public had heard much about Brock Turner, about his life, his family, his thoughts, but hers, very little. Out of protection for herself, she had remained quiet. Assault victims men often get a lot of things said about them and get threats but she remained quiet until now. Her book is heart-wrenching and powerful, well-written, and it shows her heart. It is a magnificent book. Chanel talks about learning to listen to her body in this book, to her heart and mind, and to what they needed in the midst of her trauma and after. <coughs> One thing she said on this especially stuck out to me. Chanel says, after an assault, the world tells you to put your guard up, to fight back, and to be careful. The world does not remind you to unclench your fists, to go for a stroll, to be alone, that you do not have to spend all your time fighting, figuring out how to survive. No one says, adopt the Pomeranian. I had planned to surround myself with higher gates and sharper teeth, a bigger dog, perhaps, but maybe that's not what I needed. Maybe it was possible to build that security within myself. And sometimes that's exactly what we need, too. We need to unclench our fists, breathe a little, 
Go for a walk. Cuddle a Pomeranian. Get ourselves something that we like to eat. Turn our face towards the sun when it finally breaks through these Seattle clouds. Sometimes wellness is less about building higher walls so that we can get done what we so that we can get done what we need to get done and protect ourselves from what has come or what might be coming. Maybe sometimes wellness and what we need, perhaps what is loving towards ourselves, is softening. Sometimes we need time to rest, to sit in solitude like Jesus, and to pray, whatever time of the day that comes. And maybe this is what we need in this time. I know that perhaps I sound like a broken record, I've said this a few times, but this feeling keeps coming up in me that we as a congregation need rest, need care, need time in prayer, in solitary and desolate places, time to be well and time to be with God. This is why we spent time hiking this together this summer, why we have taken a break from some of our programming. We have been through much, we have had so many demands, spent so much time serving and giving and planning, and all of that is so good. But maybe too, we gotta make sure, early in the morning while it is still dark, we spend time in prayer. And maybe we can do this in the ways that are loving towards each of ourselves. Maybe we can take time in the morning, or at night, or on a weekend, or any time we have, we can spend time in solitude with our Creator, recentering. And I don't want to say that this will be easy. Things come up when we spend time in solitude, don't they? It can be hard to take time alone and truly meditate and focus on God, as many voices and memories may come to mind, but perhaps we can make sure to have people to process those things with friends, family, therapists to help us as we spend time alone and really talk with God and learn more about God and about ourselves. This is holy work. Make, maybe we can be loving to ourselves and read scripture or poetry in those times. We can write, we can talk to God silently or aloud. We can shout, we can sing, we can draw, do art. We can walk dogs, notice things in nature, spend time meditating, breathe as we drive. Spending time in solitude, in prayer, it's imperative for who we are as people. Rest is imperative. It is a commandment even. And it's hard to do in our culture. These are things that Jesus knew would make him and us healthy as humans, and so he takes time early in the morning while it is still dark to go and to pray in a desolate place. And we can do this in the ways that we each were created to. I don't pretend to know the ways that you connect with God. You are your own expert. So what ways were you created to connect with your creator? We'll be doing something a little bit different now for the last few minutes of this time in the sermon. We will now move into a time of rest, of prayer. During this next time, there will be some open space. Natalie will be playing a bit of quiet piano music. Thank you for doing that, Natalie. There is a prayer station over here to your left, to my left, to your right. There is paper and pens and space in your bulletin as well for writing and drawing too, and you can use all of those things if you wish. You can even get up and go for a walk around the church if that's best for you.
inside or outside. You can feel the rain on your face if you need. You can sit in silence. There are some printed pages of poems and meditations on the table as well. One of them is a daily examine that is from St. Ignatius that helps you examine your, your day. That's a good one to take with you, maybe. There are also some poems. One of them has a lot of questions and ache, and that one is one that uh, goes with our Job text this morning. You can take one or all of those and read and meditate on them, journal on them. You can take some paper. There are markers as well you can draw. I simply invite you to be loving and kind to yourself to soften and to hear what God might be leading you to and speaking to you, how God might be inviting you to rest and engage God in conversation. This time is yours. Use it as you see fit. We will take about 10 minutes. I just ask that whatever you do, you remain quiet in this space out of respect for fellow worshipers. If you wish to be loud and dance or sing, you can go downstairs for that. You're welcome at this time, to come forward to get paper and pens and things once the music starts, to get up, to walk, to kneel, to sit, whatever is best for you. We will take about 10 minutes, and after 10 minutes, Pastor Meg will come up and lead us in prayer. And so, don't be shy. God invites you. Come.
Let's pray. God, our refuge, our bodies are tired after a season of holidays and celebrating and returning to work and school. Our spirits cry out for more time to rest and relax. Our minds spin with worry and stress, trying to keep track of so many different things. But you have shown us that there is a better way, 
a more human way, a more divine way to live in and through our bodies. Your son, Jesus, demonstrates to us that even in the midst of ministry and good work, there is space to step away and find a solitary place. This week, give us the courage to follow your example, even if it goes against our cultural values 